Welcome to The Achievers, where we find and elevate the stories of brilliant people. Today, I am joined by Ryan Atkinson, the host of the Business Cloud Podcast. Ryan, welcome. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited. You have an incredible background as well. So when you asked, I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. So super excited to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. I believe you're actually back at home in your your parents' house in Iowa (laughs) right now, right? I am right now. So I was in Boston for the past year. Um, now, in just in July, I'm in the transition of moving from Boston down to Austin, Texas. So yeah, back home, living with the parents. I'm on a lake though, so can't can't go too wrong with that. <laughs> can't, can't complain about that at all. Um, so I was checking out the Business Cloud podcast, and obviously it's one of the reasons why we really wanted to talk to you. Uh, you've just passed 56 episodes, which is is phenomenal for, for this type of thing. Let's yeah. start by tell us a little bit about what the podcast is, what you talk about on there, and, and who you really think benefits from it. Yeah. So the Business Cloud is a podcast. We're actually coming up on two years um, in August, which is really, really crazy to think about. Um, it just started as a small little, uh, I'm going to network with people. I'm a senior in college. Let's let's experience the world. Let's just talk with people. Let's see what their thoughts are, their success stories. Um, and so today, I mean, like you said, we're at 56 episodes. Well, I've interviewed everyone from Alexander Zaderain of Eight Sleep. They're valued at $500 million. Uh, Josh Clemente, they just did like a $250 million. Um, and all the way down to people that are just starting their businesses. So it's a wide range of guests that we have on um, to come on and talk a little bit more, how they got started, what their business idea was, challenges they've overcome, sacrifices they've made. Um, and this is generated more for the younger 20-something audience, young 20-something, very trendy term now, uh, just to learn a little bit more about those stories and experiences from them. That's great. So there are two things that in combination are really interesting there. So one, obviously, your relatively earlier on in your career and two, you've yeah. started this podcast and now you're interviewing these amazing people. Um, what is it that means you think they, they're happy to come on, uh, come on the show and chat to you? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's, it's been pretty crazy. Like some of the people that do say yes, like when I send that email, I'll like send it. And it's like, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe, like, I just asked them, like, I don't know if this will happen. And then a week later, they respond. And it's just like such a dopamine hit. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to have them on my podcast. Uh, some of the selling points I have are I really leverage my age. That's a mm. huge one I do where it's like, oh, like I'm just like a 23-year-old. Like, I don't know anything. Like, will you just come on and talk about your stories? Um, so that's actually probably one of my biggest selling points. And it's pretty easy to, I shouldn't say easy, um, but once you have a podcast, that's why I started it. It really just opens the door to conversations where if I didn't have a podcast, probably would not have come on the, uh, probably wouldn't have talked with me. So that was two of the main reasons I started it. Uh, the main selling point is, yeah, I'm just young. Uh, here's an audience of people that want to learn from you. So that's basically what I, yeah. It's, it's a clever play because I think virtually nobody says flat out no unless time or other constraints yeah. matter to helping to mentor or provide feedback or have mm-hmm. a conversation with somebody with who's earlier in their career so that's that's really interesting i read an article just this morning a friend of mine sent it about lorna michaels who's the you know the host the guy behind saturday night live mm-hmm. and he was being interviewed and he was talking about how it was the 13th episode of saturday night live and uh, the Beatles still had not sort of formed back together. And everybody was trying to throw as much money as they could at the Beatles to come back and do some songs. So after the regular opening of the show, Lorna Michaels walks out on stage after all the comedians, deadpans it to the camera and says, look, $3,000 and I'll bring you back. You just sing three Beatles songs, right? 
sing uh penny lane there's a thousand bucks right there right and obviously it was such a tiny amount of money in comparison to what everyone else was throwing them about but what was interesting they then interviewed paul mccartney years later and paul mccartney had flown over to new york and was not that far away sitting in the living room of john lennon and the two of them sat there thinking we could screw it like we could get in a car right now we could drive down to the studio and we could go through go uh, sing three songs and, and have some fun with it and ultimately they didn't do it because like yeah it's a night off right yeah. but it's such a great example of what you're following of mm-hmm. you don't ask you're not yeah. going to get so you might as well ask and a lot of people are going to say no and a lot of people are going to say yes yeah that's actually one of my favorite concepts i don't know where i saw that but it was like the concept of like closed mouths don't get fed and once <laughs> you like really like hone in and think about that. I mean, if you don't ask, like you're not going to get, and some, I think some people today, they like, they're like, Oh, like I don't get anything. And it's like, well, do you ask, like, do you put yourself out there and like really expose yourself and ask? And it's like, no, I don't. And it's back to the concept, like closed mouths will not get fed. It's funny. You use that example. Weirdly, part of my major back in the day was evolutionary genetics. And there was a whole thing I had to read and study about the behavior of baby birds in nests. So the very actual literal thing of what you're talking about, that's, uh, that's really funny. That's the example you use. All right, let, let's jump into the podcast a bit more. So, you know, 56 episodes, uh, you're leveraging the age from what I can really tell. Therefore, the people who are really obsessed with your content are often also people in their twenties, right? Who are in the earliest stage of their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why one of my biggest things is like when I ever think about to do something, it's like, what's something that I can identify right now that would fix my life or like not fix my life, but would help me would improve by 1%. Um, and then it's really like, well, who else is like me? Um, so when I did the podcast, it was like, well, who else is like me that I want to do this? And I was like, this is perfect for like young 20 year olds because I'm young 20s. I'm asking questions that I want to know. Uh, so similar people are going to be asking the same questions. Mm. Do you feel like because of your age and your experience and because of your audience, do you feel like you ask particularly interesting or types of questions that normally when these people are interviewed, they wouldn't normally get asked? Well, that's certainly the hope. I definitely do my research beforehand and make sure I'm not asking the same question that they've answered on like the past 30 podcasts they're on or something. Uh, But yeah, it really is like, what's your habits? I mean, I guess everyone asked that, but it's like, what's your habits? What's something a young 20 year old can do right now to really set themselves apart? If you're giving advice to a young 20 year old that wants to start a business, what would you say? Um, So yeah, those are really the questions that I ask because I want to know I'm young 20. I want to know. And people that are listening also want to know. Right. I I think there's a fascinating, um, topic around your current generation, which it's so funny, right? People often mistakenly will refer to your generation as millennials because this millennial term has just come to mean young people. Whereas of course, millennials now on the top end of turn 42. And so are generally they already have one kid uh, that we know they've already delayed marriage. We already know they're going to inherit more (laughs) wealth than any other generation before. That is a very distinct group from those of you that are in your, that sort of 22 to 28 age bracket and a mm-hmm. big topic for that age bracket right now around the workplace is what do we do about remote versus in yeah. person and we're seeing this for, for fireside you know we're getting so many people coming and asking for jobs because they're being forced back into an office and they don't mm-hmm. really want to go what do you what do you feel about that what do you think that sort of future might look like yeah. Um, so right now, I mean, I was talking to my stepdad about this like a month ago where I was like, if I left jobs, like it would have to be like 
a remote first environment. Like I would just not move somewhere else for a new job. I think that shift has really changed in people's minds where it's like, I'm not moving places for a new job. Like I'm staying where I am if I can do this remotely. Um, but yeah, then this conversation I had last week was about before COVID, everyone was like, before COVID, everyone was essentially like, when's remote work going to happen? Like, when is this going to happen? When's the shift going to happen? And now that we had COVID uh, and we went through the remote work, now we're shifting back to, well, when are we going to go back in office? Um, it's a really weird dynamic. It's a really weird thought. Um, but now there are so many conversations about when are we going back to office? When are people going to when are people going to force us back in? Um, and four or five years ago, people were thinking, when's this remote world going to happen? Um, so it's crazy how the pandemic really changed that. Um, so, yeah. I can only think that so many companies are forcing people back in because they don't feel like they're getting the productivity yep. um, out of the employees. I, I worry for a lot of those businesses that they are worried about a false reality because yeah. A great thing about working from home is particularly if it's an employee who, you know, you were at HubSpot, right? And you were doing sort of business development. You have to overlap a lot with the hours of your potential clients. You yep. don't have to overlap fully nine to five though. And of course, in the US, we have multiple time zones. Yeah. And so that that surely gives more flexibility. I, I worry that the false reality these companies are creating in their mind is that people aren't online putting in the right number of hours in any 24 hour period. And therefore we are losing out. And I don't know if that's the case in a lot of situations. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely over, I'm definitely a person that's like, I'm results driven. Like if I can do the work in five hours, five, six hours, like that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and I feel like a lot of companies are thinking that like, I don't know if people are working eight. I really don't know if people are generally putting in eight hours in a day of sitting at their computer. Um, just with the, the flexibility, I mean, you can get, you can just be so much more productive and get so much more done early in the day. And then maybe yeah. done at three if you start at eight. Yeah. Seven till three rather than a nine to five feels, yeah. feels like it's going to be interesting. I keep hearing about the idea of um, a two, three, two working week where people have mm. two days working from home, three days in an office or vice versa. And then obviously a two day weekend, or I hear about companies really starting to embrace the idea of a four day work week in person and then have a, a three day weekend. Um, it's going to vary for every type yeah. of business, but I think these conversations have been accelerated forward because of COVID. But to your point, I'm sort of surprised. Maybe it feels like we're taking a step back. Yeah. I think the, I, I personally believe the hybrid model is actually the best model. Um, that's just the in-person communication that you have, the in-person interactions that you have. Personally, that is my favorite model. Uh, that's what I was doing when I was in Boston. And like, you just get so much more done. It feels so much more, uh, I don't know. It just feels like there's so much more of a culture there from remote work. Uh, one of my friends, he asked me the other day, like, how do you feel remote work has like changed the culture? of your company. And it really does. And it's a really high level question where I don't know it, but like from a C-suite, um, from a sweet suite perspective, I mean, that's a real question people are going to have to answer is how is this remote environment change our culture and change how we interact with each other? Yeah. We're going to see a whole rising, I think, of tools yeah. that help people do that. I, I've used Bonusly. I don't have any connections. Bonusly. Bonusly is this interesting tool where through Slack, you can award people for you know, following company values and things. And that mm. something like that seems to get daily use in some companies. Um, it's only scratching the surface, but it's interesting to see things like that have now come around out of necessity. 
Yeah. One of the best things at HubSpot that we had was it was like a peer recognition award. So every quarter you would nominate someone that lived through like the values and they got like a hundred dollar stipend, which is really cool. Um, But that is something to really embrace the values that you have within a company. I think they're going to have to implement. There's a lot of tools that we are going to have to implement, but that is one that I think is really beneficial. I'd be interesting for some of your future guests when I listen um, for you to talk to them about this. I think yeah. it'd be really interesting to have that conversation between you as a representative of your stage of your career, your mm-hmm. age, and, and some of those other people. Yeah. One, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I was gonna say one interesting concept that I was reading on my Twitter. I'm in like the business Twitter, like personal development Twitter. Love it, hate it. Either way, I was reading in it. Um, there was like, if you're in your young 20s, like it's a disadvantage to not be fully in person um, just for like moving up the ladder making those in-person connections. Um, and me reading that as like a remote employee, I'm like, Oh shit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this is probably not good. But if you, if you're going to work remotely, I feel like you're going to have to take that extra step to really embrace those values and really make those connections. It's like grab someone from a, another department and ask them to meet up and just talk about what they're working on. Um, it's a really interesting thought. I don't know how it'll play out. Hopefully it doesn't play out in my disadvantage, um, but we'll see. <laughs> <what happens. laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could make a very strong argument that what you're doing with uh, with the Business Cloud podcast is already one of those things that makes you stand out, right? Employees are going to employers are going to be looking more and more for employees and team members that are going that extra mile and and have something interesting to say. Now, I also know that you have a a thought for your future around starting a company in the in the diabetic space. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been a type one diabetic for 12 years in, uh, this past May. Um, it was actually a very, very important milestone because this was the first time this was a point in my life where I've actually been alive longer with diabetes than without. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was like a huge, huge milestone in my life. Um, so personally I want to develop some sort of product, some sort of integrated product with existing products that are already out there um, to help just make make a diabetic's life easier. We have very complicated lives. We always have it on our mind. Even before this podcast, like I'm checking my blood sugar, like, okay, am I going to be good throughout the podcast? Um, right after it's going to be the first thing I check. So I think that just as myself, back to the podcast, there are a lot of people that if I could, if I want it, I'm sure there are millions, thousands, millions of other people that also want it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I have a very unique advantage in wanting to start a business and also be in the specific diabetic industry. That's interesting. My my mom, when I was growing up, had nursing homes for the elderly. And as many lifelong um, people in the nursing industry will tell you is that they really believe they can sort of smell cancer on people, which is a fascinating thing. And there's lots of scientific research happening in that area around what's in the air. I've been noticing on TikTok a lot lately, something that I never knew existed in the diabetic space, which is people with dogs that alert them to changes in their blood glucose level. I, I, I never knew that was a thing at all. It is so, so crazy. You get like a golden retriever, some very intelligent dog. And within two years, I mean, they're nudging you if you're asleep um, to wake up because they can just sense it. They can smell it. They can smell it. Apparently um, I've looked into that a little bit, but like, like I said, there is just a lot, I think in the general public as well, to be really lift the covers off of what happens to a diabetic's life, what goes on their mindset. Um, personally, like I think diabetes has made me super independent um, just because I always have to take care of myself. I'm basically living with another person. Like there's an imaginary character right next to me. I'm basically living with that person to control their <laughs> their metabolic health. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting industry. There's a lot of innovation we have on the software and hardware side, um, and there's a ton of integrations that's going to keep evolving. So I'm yeah, I'm super excited for the future of it. Wow, wow, I never I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. That is, well, okay. That, yeah. It's such a great visual because for somebody like me who um, I don't live with anyone with, with diabetes and they have mm-hmm. to do those sorts of testing, that, that's a very power, powerful visual as to what that life is like. Yeah, it's it really, I mean, of course it's life-changing, but you just kind of, you start to really like learn to like live with it and I will never let it, I will never when I'm filling out like a job application, it's like, do you have a disability? And like diabetes is one. I will never, ever put that one for one reason. I don't want to be excluded. But uh, <laughs> number two is like, I don't consider diabetes as a disability. I consider it something I live with each day. Um, and I guess it makes me unique, but it also, it has its, it really has its advantages. It has its disadvantages um, to life. Um, disadvantage, I mean, you have to check your blood sugar all the time. You might get low blood sugars and important meeting. Um, but the positives on it, it's made me such a healthier person. I approach mm-hmm. my diet differently. I approach my exercise differently. Um, my mindset, I think is a lot different. Like I said, very independent person, um, just because I'm living with something else. Um, so yeah, there, there's a whole, there's a whole book that could be written about diabetes. <laughs> there are. I, I always books. think what you could take from one industry or situation and apply to another is, is often interesting. I wonder if your diabetic startup of the future is actually taking learnings and better behaviors from living with diabetes to people who don't have diabetes, but could actually benefit from that monitoring and, and understanding. Because as we know, diet is a mess in this yeah. country, most of the Western world. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's honestly really, really sad at what the diet of Americans um, is. Um, there's actually one company, uh, it's called Levels. Uh, he was on my podcast, Josh Clemente. They developed a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, for people that just want to check their blood sugar and see, okay, if I have this, this, like a piece or like a pound of rice, not a pound of rice, let's do like pop. Like, how's it going to affect my blood sugar? And you can see it visually, your blood sugar is vastly accelerating up. And what's the result of that? You feel, you feel mentally like fatigued, you feel tired, you're super thirsty. um, And it really changes your habits because what we consume, what we eat every day really does affect our mental health, our physical health. Um, so it's really shedding light on it. Really cool podcast episode, really cool company. <laughs> okay. I'll have a look. Um, I think you can always identify where somebody's from by what they call soda. So you called it <laughs> pop, which is interesting. I used to, uh, weirdly, I used to run Irish bars in Johannesburg for a very short period of time and they would call it cool drink, which I always thought was a, was a funny one. And I think, what would we, what would we call it in England? I think we just call it a can. A can. Interesting. A can. There's yeah. that's what I love about the world is like there are just so many places to experience and understand like how these people live, how these people think. Um, travel is a really important part of my life just because of that reason. Like you can go somewhere completely different. It's like, wow, you approach the world in this way. Like I would never think about that. So that's that's one small example. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap here, I'm really curious, you know, what are some of your favorite guests you've had on or or what are some of the things that you've learned from from interviewing your types of guests that, that just blew you away? Yeah. Some of my favorite guests, I will say 
I had David Con Cannon on. He was a really interesting, uh, he was really interesting to have on because he was actually like one of the first people to discover the Titanic. Uh, Jeff Bezos hired him to go get the Apollo engines at the bottom of the ocean. He was really fun. It was a really fun episode just to record it was a little bit offbeat. Um, but I've had just phenomenal guests across the board. I love like all my guests I have and like the relationships you build afterwards. It's just so much fun. Like it's like not, whenever they come on, I always tell them afterwards, like you have like the biggest fan now in the world. Like I will always cheer your company on. I will always give it good. Um, PR, I guess. Um, a lot of things I've learned is the mindset. Entrepreneurship, this last one that I had actually that will come out on Monday, she pivoted three times um, for her for her customers to find product market fit. Um, and it was just like a really fascinating story on just like, you're not going to get it right the first time. A lot of these people did not get it right the first time. They've always had at some point some huge mistake where they learned from that and but because they learned from that, they're better the next time. So that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I have from the people that I've interviewed is you're going to make mistakes, but you have to learn from it. And then you can improve on from that. That's wonderful. Ryan, it's been a real pleasure to meet you. Uh, you're a great achiever. The Business Cloud Podcast will throw the links into the show notes and, and YouTube description, et cetera. Go check it out and, and subscribe <laughs> and, and listen to Ryan's conversations. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're a phenomenal guest. So yeah, this was awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zach.